I got my first job when I was 12 years old. It was a paper route, and I got it specifically because I wanted to buy records. I wasn't super interested in music necessarily, but I had some friends who bought records, and it always seemed so cool. I just had cachet to go to the record store and buy records. I also liked to buy books, but records were becoming a special source of fascination for me. So I remember I would get paid every two weeks not a lot, of course, but enough to go buy some records. My mom would take me to the record store. This is in Phoenix, Arizona. And at first, I didn't know anything about music, so I was buying comedy records. My first album was actually a record by Steve Martin, Wild and Crazy Guy. Say you get out of college or whatever you did. You're going to go into business. Say you're going to open a bank. Now you've, just for an example, you've got to give it the right name. It's got to be something big and strong, like Security First Trust and Federal Reserve. And you have to name a bank that because nobody's going to put their money in Fred's bank. <laughs> Hi, I'm Fred. I have a bank. <laughs> you got 1500 I'll put it, uh, I'll put it here in my white suit. And I love that record. And then I moved from there to music. I, I saw this album by Frank Zappa. We just heard the first track, Igor's Boogie. But the album is called Burnt Weenie Sandwich. And so I have to admit that I bought it for the same reason I bought the Steve Martin. It just was a funny title. And I thought it would be a funny album. But it wasn't necessarily. It was a music album. And the music was so fascinating to me because like the piece Igor's Boogie, which I now know is a reference to Igor Stravinsky. And if you know The Soldier's Tale, it's, it's basically, you, know, you could put the two side by side and definitely hear where Zappa was going with that. But there's also all this rock music. There's a lot of jazz on the album. I mean, Frank Zappa's influences were all over the map, and it really was a huge influence on me as a young musician. I started buying more Zappa, and I started buying the composers that he was interested in, Igor Stravinsky, Edgar Vares, and it was a slippery slope from there, I think, developing my musical taste and becoming a musician and a composer myself. Welcome to Relevant Tones. I'm Seth Bostead. I took that trip down memory lane today because we're paying homage to vinyl. The vinyl trend, you may have noticed, has hit big time. Even if you walk into a major big box retailer like Barnes & Noble, they have a vinyl section now. Personally, I'm glad to see it come back. I think there's something indefinable about it. I think holding the record in your hand. I know for myself, when I was 12, I used to sit on the floor cross-legged and listen to the records and read every bit of the liner notes, look at the pictures. I mean, just the whole package. I think that's what it is. It's something emotional. There's this emotional connection that people have with vinyl, with the LP and the package. And it's that spirit that we're paying homage to on the program today. I'm going to play a variety of different composers today. Some of these records were sent to us by the artists, but some we found, again, like I said, the old-fashioned way, going out record shopping, which is just such a fun thing to do. The first album I'm going to play for you I found in a record store in Chicago at Reckless Records. This is in their classical music bin. I think it was in the miscellaneous section. They weren't quite sure what to do with this record. One store I found in Brooklyn did have a contemporary music section. We'll get back to that later, which I thought was pretty cool. Uh, but here, they put the contemporary stuff over in the miscellaneous section. But, you know, if it weren't for this record store, I don't think I would have found this album. I just I can't imagine any digital algorithm on Amazon or iTunes or anything that would have suggested this to me based on my, my previous listening. This is something you had to go old-fashioned into a brick-and-mortar record store and find in the bin. I was also, I have to admit, attracted to the cover. And I know we shouldn't judge a record or a book by its cover, but it's a cool cover. This is Andrzej Markowski conducts the Warsaw Philharmonic Orchestra, and it's three composers, Polish composers, in the European modernism vein, all of whom really had their heydays in the 1950s, 60s, and 70s. I was especially taken with this piece by Zbigniew Tursky called Sinfonia Olympica. Again, a piece I don't think I would have heard of otherwise 
otherwise. It's very musical, highly crafted, wonderfully written for the orchestra. And I want to take advantage of the fact that it's on vinyl. And I'm just going to drop the needle on this piece. It's a huge, sprawling piece. So I'm going to drop the needle, oh, a little less than halfway through, give you about eight minutes. Here is Andrzej Markowski to conduct an excerpt of Sinfonia Olympica by Zbigniew Tursky.
How fun to literally be able to drop the needle on that music. I'm featuring music recorded on vinyl today, both old and new, although not, not too old, of course. All the composers on the program are living, as usual. That's music by Zbigniew Tursky, a Polish composer. The piece is called Sinfonia Olympica, and we literally drop the needle on about eight minutes of that piece for you. It's a fantastic piece, I think, for the orchestra. The album is called Andrzej Markowski Conducts the Warsaw Philharmonic Orchestra, and I found it in Chicago at Reckless Records in the miscellaneous classical bin. It was fun to go shopping for contemporary classical music. The next piece I want to play is Brooklyn Rider, and I found this at Rough Trade in Brooklyn, and believe it or not, they had a section specifically for contemporary classical. It did lean very heavily toward electronic composers, but still, it's really great that there was a section for contemporary classical music, so I hope composers, performers, if you're listening to this, Rough Trade in Brooklyn. Make sure you send your releases there, because I'd love to flesh out that section, and then I will go in and I'll buy them all, and that way they'll think that there's really a market for it, (laughs) and the section will grow, and pretty soon we'll have our own record store for contemporary music. Let's do this thing. We can do it. At any rate, here is the Brooklyn Rider Almanac, the piece that I chose that really knocked me dead. I want to feature it on the program today. It's called Maintenance Music by Dana Lynn. And again, just I don't want to harp on this theme, but this is, again, music I never would have heard had I not gone into the record store and found it. Thank you. 
There's a lot to love in that piece. You can see why I was taken with it. It's music by Dana Lynn. It's called Maintenance Music. What a great performance, too, by the Brooklyn Rider, a string quartet based, not surprisingly, in Brooklyn. It's a double LP. My first double LP was Genesis, Three Sides Live. (laughs) Now, all these years later, I found this, the Brooklyn Rider Almanac, the double LP at Rough Trade in Brooklyn. I'm paying homage to vinyl on the program today, this wonderful form that is back, big time, composers, ensembles, a lot of people putting out records, putting their music on vinyl, which is great. So we found a lot of this in record stores. Some of it was shipped to us, but we're sharing as much as we can. This is a small sample of what's out there. I hope composers and artists continue to put their music on vinyl. The next piece I want to feature is an album that I found also at Reckless Records in Chicago. And this piece by John Harbison, I feel like I could devote an entire program to it. And maybe I will down the road because it's it's a fantastic piece. Not only the music, which is wonderful, but also the concept. It's called The Flower-Fed Buffaloes. And it was actually commissioned by the New York State Bar Association in 1978 on the occasion of their 100th anniversary, which is alone a, a sort of spectacular thing that this bar association commissioned a huge piece of classical music by a renowned living composer. But the project itself was very fascinating to me. In 1978, on the occasion of this anniversary, there was a talk given by Judge Learned Hand, that is his actual name, and the talk is this high-minded talk about American idealism, this idea that the Constitution promises liberty and fraternity for all, and and he's saying repeatedly, for all, for men and women, regardless of ethnicity, regardless of your religious beliefs, all of that. It was a really moving speech. It certainly moved the composer John Harbison, and what he's done in the piece is, is taken elements of that speech and combined them with other American poems celebrating that same idea of actually practicing what we preach. So there are poems from Vacha Lindsay, including the, the title poem, Flower Fed Buffaloes, became the title of the piece. Also Hart Crane, Michael Freed, and Gary Snyder. These are the poets that he chose, and he, and he put them together in, the, in this moving pastiche. We're going to hear the first movement, which is the title movement, The Flower Fed Buffaloes. The text here is by Vacha Lindsay. Here are David Ebbett's baritone, Speculum Musicae, 
the Emanuel Choir of Boston, to perform the Flower-Fed Buffaloes, music of John Harbison, who we're also going to hear conducting.
It's a title movement based on the poem by Vachel Lindsay, the flower-fed buffaloes, really celebrating the spirit of the buffalo, the fact that they were innumerable at one time, and now they're gone, which is, of course, part of American history as well. The rest of the piece, as I mentioned, goes on to use a lot of different poets to talk about liberty and fraternity, and I think that that's an important part of the American dream. In fact, if, if we had all of the sacrifices that we had, the buffalo being only a small part of those sacrifices, the least that we can do is be true to what the dream was, which is liberty and fraternity for all. It's a beautiful, big piece of music, and again, I may devote an entire program to it because it was a wonderful discovery a piece that I had not heard before until I found this album in a dusty record bin at Reckless Records in Chicago. Music of John Harbison, The Flower-Fed Buffaloes, again commissioned by the New York State Bar Association back when people used to commission music by composers, and so certainly something like the return of vinyl. There's another return I'd love to see. You're listening to Relevant Tones, a show featuring the music of contemporary composers. On today's program, I'm paying homage to vinyl. There's been an enormous resurgence of interest in vinyl, and that has certainly hit the classical music field as well. To subscribe to our podcast or for streaming versions of this and all previous episodes, you can visit relevanttones.com. The next album I want to feature is by the group Yarnwire, and they sent it to us. Yarnwire refers to a percussion and piano duo. They do a lot of really interesting things, and this project with the composer and sound artist Pete Swanson is certainly no exception. The album is called The album is called Eliminated Artist, and I'm holding it in my hand right now. It's clear that Pete Swanson was thinking about this concept as a vinyl release because each side is a different piece. And that was something that was really interesting about vinyl back in the day, too, that artists would think about that. They would think about what went on side A, what went on side B. Of course, we had the concept album idea. All of that was germane to vinyl. And now with vinyl's resurgence, those kinds of concepts are coming back as well. What I'm going to do is drop the needle again inside A, which is called Corrections. There is a part of this piece that really, really captured my fancy. Unfortunately, it's far too long to play the whole thing, so we're going to play just this part. It's very busy at first, and then it evens out, and there's this very slow-moving, ambient passage that I just find to be absolutely lovely. Here is Yarnwire performing music of Pete Swanson.
section of a piece we're dropping the needle again it is called corrections and we heard a few minutes of it of a section that really really spoke to me i just think there's a lot of very very lovely things happening there the piece is for piano and percussion which is yarn wire that is their ensemble and also a lot of electronics this is a heavy electronics album it's clear to me that the composer has thought about the album format each side is a different piece side a is corrections side b is eliminated artist this is an album by Yarnwire. Let's turn now to music by Christopher Bono, an album called Invocations. This came out a couple of years ago. It's been sitting in our stacks, just waiting for an opportunity to play it. And that opportunity is today as we pay homage to music released on vinyl. The album is comprised of three invocations, which he calls a triptych. And then there's another track called The Missing for String Quartet. What I'm going to play is called Fish Father Phoenix. And I'm just going to read a little bit from the liner notes here. He says, The second leg of the triptych, Fish Father Phoenix, explores the process of aging, transcendental anxiety, 
and man's place in the birth and death cycle of the natural world. So nothing too heavy there from Christopher Bono. Let's hear it. Here is invocation number two, Fish Father Phoenix. This is a rather large ensemble that Christopher Bono put together himself, and they're all being conducted by Paul Haas. She's the future. Back there. She's the future.
little sperm and that little egg got together and all those chromosomes started dividing. I was already predestined to be a human being. It's called Fish Father Phoenix. It is invocation number two, the middle, the midpoint of what he calls a triptych of invocations. And it's on vinyl, as is everything that we're playing on the program today. We heard an ensemble put together by the composer Christopher Bono and led by Paul Haas. And all of the sampling, programming, processing, all of the sounds that are electronically derived are by the composer himself, Christopher Bono. I like what he's done with the electronics. The voice that you're hearing, by the way, is the voice of his father, recorded in the field while they were traveling through South Africa and Botswana. He says that this piece, Fish Father Phoenix, is exploring the process of aging, transcendental anxiety, and who doesn't have that really, right? And man's place in the birth and death cycle of the natural world, which I think is something you'd really think about in Africa. As you look around, you're going to see so much flora and fauna. You, you can definitely think about the, the life cycle a lot. Great music by Christopher Bono on his album, Invocations. I'm holding an album in my hands now that is the soundtrack for a movie that I've never seen and will never see because, frankly, it scares me. (laughs) Just the idea of the movie. You may know it. It's called Requiem for a Dream by Darren Aronofsky, who is a filmmaker I admire a lot. But I'm a very sensitive person, and, and certain things live in my mind forever. And I already have a lot of really scary images and, and, and things in my mind. And my wife, among many others, have said to me, I don't think you should see Requiem for a Dream. And so when this album showed up, it was really kind of almost traumatic and frightening. Uh, but it's, it's an interesting project. This is the Kronos Quartet. They've recorded all of the music for the film. And I mean all of the music. There's nothing considered too ancillary. We have tracks called Cleaning Apartment, Marion Barf's, Supermarket Sweep, I mean, you name it. Every aspect of the film has been recorded by the Kronos Quartet. The music is by Clint Mansell. So I managed to listen to it. I don't think I'm going to have bad dreams. I think I'm okay, but I'm still not quite ready to go and and see the film yet. But I do like the music a lot. There's a lot of it. What I'm going to play for you is a rather short piece from Side 2, subtitled Fall. Here is the Kronos Quartet performing music by Clint Mansell from the soundtrack to the movie Requiem for a Dream by Darren Aronofsky. Thank you. 
That's music by composer Clint Mansell, his soundtrack, evocative soundtrack, I would say, for the film Requiem for a Dream, which, like I said, is as close as I'm ever going to get to that movie, I think. This is all recorded by the Kronos Quartet. It is an album called Requiem for a Dream, and it's on vinyl. It's really a great release. I'm not sure why they chose to release this now. The film is rather old, but uh, it just came out, and it's a fantastic release, super well recorded. I'm just looking at it and looking at the arc of the film. Side one is called Summer, Side two, Fall, Side three, Winter. So there is this kind of descent into, into madness that's implied in the music as well. But then side four is called In the End, it's all nice. And that's not my understanding of how the film ends. So I'm not sure what that's all about. At any rate, that's music by Clint Mansell from the soundtrack Requiem for a Dream by Darren Aronofsky. We heard the inimitable Kronos Quartet performing. We have just a little bit of time left. So I'm going to feature one more piece. This is by Bryce Desner, who is a composer, but is perhaps better known as a founding member of the rock band The National. The piece is called Murder Ballads. And it's on an LP by 8th Blackbird. In fact, it's a Grammy award-winning LP, the most recent of their four Grammys. It's on the Sadie Records label, and it's called Filament. From Murder Ballads by Bryce Desner, I want to play Omi Wise. And about this piece, Desner says that there's a European tradition of writing ballads, even upbeat, folksy ballads, but about violent subjects. And I guess this came over to America and was popular in the 19th century as well. So this is the tradition that he's drawing on. We won't hear anybody singing, but the lyrics are... Oh, listen to my story, I'll tell you no lies How John Lewis did murder poor little Omi Wise Here's the piece. It's kind of in this folksy vernacular. He's, he's evoking the claw hammer banjo, if you know that sound. They don't have that in the ensemble, but he's able to evoke it in the string instruments and in the piano. Here's Eighth Blackbird to perform Omi Wise from Murder Ballads by Bryce Desner. Thank you. 
piece that I like a lot. It has a dark subject matter. In fact, the piece is called Murder Ballads, which tells you basically all that you need to know about it. The subjects are, are, are often violent, and yet they've been turned into these, these pieces that are folksy, that, that, that are kind of beautiful. And he's drawing on a tradition that he says started in Europe and came to America of telling folk tales about these sort of quasi-legendary acts of violence in the dim and distant past. The piece is called Omi Wise by composer Bryce Desner, and we heard Eighth Blackbird from their Filament LP. That's all the time we have on the program today, paying homage to vinyl, a subject I'm quite positive that I'll return to, not only because it is such a big trend for composers and performers to release their music on vinyl, but because for myself, again, it really is, a, it's like going down memory lane for me to hold these records in my hand, even just remembering how to put the needle down exactly on the right track. Um, we, we, all these records are pretty new, so we didn't have to grind out a scratch or anything like that, but I'm remembering all of the ways that I used to play records when I was young, all, all the ways that you took care of them all the things that you could do with records that you can't do with CDs, you certainly can't do with MP3s. And it's definitely a theme we'll turn to again on Relevant Tones because I'm positive that I'm not the only one who has a sentimental connection with vinyl. Relevant Tones has been produced by Sarah Zwinkless and is made possible by the generous support of the Aaron Copeland Fund for Music and the listener supporters of WFMT. This project is supported in part by an award from the National Endowment for the Arts, Art Works. I'm Seth Bosted. And this is the WFMT Radio Network Chicago.